expectation is the biggest setup for a letdown. You keep expecting and think that you're entitled to something because you have natural ability. You're going to be let down every time. You have to go through some things to get through some things. It's trial and error. That's what gymnastics is. And not everything comes at the drop of a hat. Things should get harder. That's what challenges you. That's what changes you. Welcome to the Tenno Podcast by Train Like a Gymnast, a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name's Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On Tenno, I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Thank you, Diabra, for joining me on the 10 podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here. Like I said, before we started recording, I've been following you for a while. Whenever I see your posts or how you coach gymnasts, it just makes me happy and wish I had that for myself. And I'm sure if people are not familiar with you, when they are familiar with you, they will think the same things. With that, just go ahead and give a little introduction of yourself, because maybe there are things that I don't know about you that you want others to know about you. All right. Well, my name is Diavra, better known as Coach Diavra. I was a collegiate gymnast back from 2006, 2010 era. So you catch my age. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you guys, but that's what it is. So I think I would say my best event, well, I was, I was an all-around gymnast, but the ball was kind of like just whatever and floor because I'm definitely a performer. But the crazy part about it is I was a national beam champion and I could swing bars. I was just inconsistent on bars. So mm. that's that. As soon as I got back from coaching after my experiences at Boise State University and University of Illinois, Chicago, I got into a group of coaching. Now, originally, I did not want to coach. That was not my thing. I wanted to be done with gymnastics. I wanted to know other parts of it. Some kind of way, I met a few group of kids and um, sure enough, fell in love with coaching them. My old coach at the time gave me the opportunity to work with them. And so in working with them, I ended up doing compulsories. Uh, I started off as AAU, which is like competitive for all. And then I was like, well, I think I'm a little strong in the AAU. Let's get into USA. So I started coaching that group. And then it just flourished from there. And from each generation, you know, my ability to coach just got stronger and stronger. And I really delved in and like just studied it because it was different as an athlete. I was a supernatural athlete. So it wasn't much that I really had to do. I could see something like, oh, I got it. If I could see it and visualize it in my brain, I could just get up and do it. So I wasn't one who my coaches felt like was working hard. But I probably could have worked hard. So I wasn't like a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant. But I definitely had the ability of those people. But my effort was just enough to do what I need to do and enough to win because I enjoyed winning. As a coach, I took a different approach. And I wanted to learn what it was like to teach people who didn't understand. So if I had a group or a community that had no idea about gymnastics, because I grew up in a different type of neighborhood situation. So my friends didn't have the articulation or the knowledge about the sport. How would I break this down to him? It was a backflip at home, but it's a back tuck for us or flipping off of a tree, which is totally like a gainer or something. So I wanted to be able to bring that part and aspect of my life into what I had technically and classically learned as a gymnast. And so I studied people like Mary Lee Tracy, people like Tammy Biggs, Jean DeArmond, who I had the luxury to be able to watch, Philip Adams, who was also in my gym, Nathan Simmons, who was also in the gym, but he coached the boys. So I watched how he trained those athletes. And then I was also a dancer. So I knew that the foundation to any sport, believe it or not, is ballet. And I was a dancer first. So ballet became a very intricate piece to understanding leaps and jumps and posture and lines. And even though I hated geometry and all that other stuff, I started paying attention to math and angles. And I was like, oh, 
okay, this is all gymnastics. So what I did was took a little bit of everything that I knew about life and I tried to really study those things that made sense for me to make the sense for others. And then I studied it and ultimately kind of became the coach that I am today. And I think what made my platform so big right now was the last group of talented kids that I had because everybody watched me develop them. So that very first group I had, social media and stuff wasn't really a big thing. We had Facebook, MySpace, you know, we were in that area. Instagram was probably just really getting started up. But this last group that I had, I had started them since they walked through the gym, basically. They took some classes. They gave them to me. I remember the class coaches telling me, oh, you're never going to be able to do anything with these kids. And I go, excuse me, watch. And sure enough, I had 15 level twos. And they went through a very grueling time with me because at this point I knew what it was. I knew the type of conditioning. I had already made the mistakes of being a super tough coach or, you know, not doing enough or not being able to relate to the parents. And with this group, I had great communication skills with the families and the parents. Like I knew how to communicate with the parents, what I was trying to do for their kids. And I was also, the proof was in the product, how they were doing a competition, how happy they were and stuff like that. So this group, definitely everybody got to see them go from being level twos, basically learning cartwheels to being these awesome level eights training to be Hope's kids, you know, having kids qualify, developmental invite and stuff like that. So I think that's how I got to this place where I am right now. Yeah. I love that. So many things resonate with you. Just like the natural athlete, the being too hard of a coach, not doing enough, all that. We've heard that on episodes prior in this season and just from my own personal experience. So what about coaching lights you up the most? Like what fires your soul? What fires my soul, I would definitely say is, I'm all about like self-esteem and confidence building. So even though I've always been a tough coach, I've always been extremely fun. I think there has to be a super balance to that because me, I'm a silly person. I'm a certified goof, but my mom always taught me there's a time and a place for everything. So I've always done that with my athletes. So I love to see kids that feel like when they first come in, they lack confidence, their head is down. They don't really believe in themselves. And for me, it's not just in the gym. I build relationships with my kids outside the gym because I want to know the human aspect. I think a lot of times coaches lose the human aspect focusing on the athlete aspect. And so for me to see a kid come into a gym with their head down low, regardless of how talented they are, some of the most talented kids lack a lot of confidence. But for them to come into the gym after that or go back out and their parents are like, oh, they're at school and they're talking to everybody about this. And they just walk differently or hearing a teacher say, well, when I got her in the beginning of the school year, she just, she just had no confidence. And she talks about this gymnastics thing and she like really lights up. So if I like to see a young girl who is missing a piece of them find themselves by being coached by me. And I also like seeing a kid really learn what hard work really means. Every kid who has ever been coached by me knows that I will say, do it right. And they respond, do it light. I say, do it wrong, do it long. And then I say at the end of the day, and they go, we all get strong. So they have to understand that hard work is necessary if you want to be the best that you can be. But there are two different routes that you can take. Okay, you can take the hard route, which is me. I was hard-headed. My mom always said a hard head made a soft bottom. Or you can take the easier route by following instruction. And though you're going to bump your head along the way in that route too, it may not be as much of a headache. So you can decide because at the end of each one of these roads, you're going to get stronger whether you want to or not. So when they walk away with the appreciation of understanding that hard work is what gets them where they need to be and there's different paths behind it, I really truly appreciate when they come back to me and they're, now I got kids in college and stuff that are come back and just like, you know, the lessons you taught me, I didn't quite understand, but now it just all makes sense. And I've taken those lessons and I've implemented them into my life. So that's another thing that really fires me up as a coach. And plus winning, I love to win, but I like to do it very fashionably. And I like to do it, knowing that the work was put in the gym and not that you just to show um, 
show, trickster. We don't need that because that's not consistent enough. I need to see the consistency in the gym to know that it's going to happen on the floor. Because once I know that work has been planted in the beginning and we just manifested our work, oh, I want to brag about it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that when you put the work in. Okay? <laughs> so true. Oh my gosh. I love it. Love to win fashionably though. And it's so true. So is that really your coaching philosophy and style? Do you coach like that because of personal experience or because of what you have heard from people you've coached before? Like, is it, is it, is it a byproduct? No, that was, for me, most of the time, I'm one that likes to learn from my own personal mistakes. And because I was so natural, certain things came easier for me, but I know that I like consistency because when things came easy, I didn't put the real work in, so it didn't really matter, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I'm losing stuff and now I'm frustrated, but I watched, I had to use one of my teammates, Deborah Perlin. I watched her work her butt off every single time. And it took her maybe triple the time to get skills that I got. But when I tell you when she got it, it was consistent. She never had a problem with the coaches. She was never having to do the extra conditioning. Because when she did, she did what she was supposed to do the first time. As much as she possibly could to the best of her ability. And I saw the reward behind that for her. She lacked a lot less stress. She wasn't as frustrated. Didn't say, I don't, I'm not going to say that she did not get frustrated because she did. Because to watch someone like me get all these skills and then just kind of like, whatever, la, la, la. I, I can only imagine how frustrating that is, you know? Yeah. So personal experience definitely is a big factor as to why I coach the way that I do it. It's not just my own personal experience. I'm an observant person. So I watch others around and I listen, even though I talk a lot. Some people say you can't listen and talk. Well, I'm a multitasker and that's what I do. Sometimes I just have to decipher through my words when I'm listening. So yeah. And I watch the grades. I hear what they say. I listen to the good sides of it. And I listen to the negative side of it because with every good comes a bad and every bad comes good. And I don't think you can just categorize or put somebody in one box and think that's what made them what they were. What were the mistakes that they made? What was something that they could have changed? You know? And that's, I mean, that's exactly why I think I coach the way that I do for sure. Absolutely. And you mentioned something about how, you know, when, when things came easy, it's like, oh, it didn't matter. Like, okay, I got that. So oh, I did not appreciate it. Exactly. Well, I was real. But the stuff that I worked for, I would never forget. Like, I could get skilled was the one skill that I just I was like I'm not doing that because I didn't get it in like a day (laughs) I actually had to work a little bit harder for my double a I like kind of refused to do it I was just like I don't want to we didn't have all these technique things that these kids are doing like the whip off the floor and I wasn't a whipper I didn't need to because I was quick and powerful but I didn't do all the extra drills on the side with the lifting the hips over rotating to my back and all that kind of stuff I did for the double backs but not necessarily for the double outs it was just like I mean you can do this together but when I put the mat in things were changing when I was growing it was different. And I just didn't want to do it. But thank God for my coaches that were like, you're going to do this and you're going to get over it because you didn't get the skill in two days. Yeah. Because I was that kid. I was really that one kid up and I was fearless. So it wasn't a thing that I couldn't do when yes, I decided yeah. I want to. So when I finally got it, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. This is amazing. I'm like the rest. No one can stop me. No one. That's how I was. I was more appreciative of what I had done. And some of the other skills that I got, like, I guess, inverts and Jaegers. Those came a little easier. My double backs, handspring layout. Like, those things came so much easier. So I don't think I knew the value of what I was really doing. I couldn't appreciate it as much as the ones that I really had to take my time to understand and work through. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you have to say to people who do get frustrated like that? Because I'm totally one that's like, I didn't get this the first time that I tried it. Okay. It's not going to happen. Like this is just so frustrating. The people who expect, or they are the natural athletes and they expect to get things. And when they don't get things right away, they feel like a failure. Expectation is the biggest setup for a letdown. You keep expecting and think that you're entitled to something because you have natural ability. You're going to be let down every time. And now you're going to have to find yourself having a pity party. And guess what? Now you're not going to try. 
And then you're going to say that you're a failure, but the only failure is the fact that you didn't act to come in. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you start to quit now and give up and have a pity party now, you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. Because not everything's going to come natural. When you go to school, you don't get math right the first time. You don't get trig and geometry right the first time. You're just going to say, I quit and give up. You're never going to make it through school. Because you have to go through some things to get through some things. It's trial and error. That's what gymnastics is. And not everything comes at the drop of a hat. I don't care how easy it was in the beginning. Things should get harder. That's what challenges you. That's what changes you. And if what doesn't challenge you won't grow you. And that's just what that is. Absolutely. We've had so many talks about expectations on this season. It's such a common theme among, I think, just athletes in general. Because we're right. used to that. And then we take it into our real life after we retire or, or the injury centers yeah. out. And then we're like, I didn't get that job that I applied for. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And then we take things personally. So expectations, huge. I like that. Why do you think, because I know you focus so much on, you know, shapes and foundations and drills. So why is it so important to focus on the details in your own training or in, you know, when you're coaching students or clients? What, why, is, why are the details so important? One, gymnastics is a sport that's seeking perfection. Even though perfection is not really a thing, that's what we're doing, right? So when you look at the best thing, handwriting, the neatest handwriters are the ones that you understand a little bit more. When you look at a neurosurgeon, the person with the steadiest hand is the one that's going to ultimately have the best technique. The best technique leads you to ultimately being able to have the best outcome. Also, with having the basics and understanding the technique to be what it needs to be, when you mess up, you're able to go back to something. Tom Foister actually put this in like the perfect words one day. He was like, well, you get sick. What do you go to? We go to the doctor, correct? So with that being said, if you are an athlete that's doing double, or maybe it was Neil, Neil Resnick. Yeah. Maybe it was both of them. But they were like, if you are doing a double layout of bars and it's just sick, now the skill is sick. And I don't mean sick in the positive way. I mean sick like it's going down the tank. It's like, <laughs> you got the proof for the double layout. What do you do to fix the double layout? You don't keep chugging the double layout because all you're doing is training yourself to keep doing it wrong over and over and over again. You have to find some methodology or some type of step to take it backwards to move you forward. And going back to the basics, using the technique, and make sure you're paying attention to each detail because each turn is going to be just a little bit different. There's something in going backwards and in the technique and that detail that can help you make that one little switch that clicks for you to go back to your thing. So you want to make treat your basics and the technical parts of your skills as your medicine or your vaccine or the upper level skills that you're going to do. Because when you get older, technique, I don't want to say it goes out the window, but it's not the biggest thing. I mean, you're trying to do two flips in the air double double or triple double you're not really thinking about let me squeeze tight hips turn i mean that's a lot to think about when you really just like i really need to get to my feet but if that foundation is laid from the beginning you're less likely to run into the issue when you get older but when puberty hits we have to almost go back because your body changes you know the center is at the hips for women and most of the time we're young we're boxed out we don't have a real shape we don't have a real body therefore we don't have real things that really affect us and our minds haven't developed enough for fear to really set in but now we don't hit puberty and now everything has changed. And mm -hmm. so now you may not be physically incapable of doing a skill. Now you're mentally incapable of doing a skill. How do you go back to fix that? What is your method? What is your antidote to help you out? And that would be your technique. That would be your basic. That would be going back to that small detail that's throwing you off. Even as simple as a full turn. I mean, I can do a full turn on the outside of my foot the entire time. And guess what? My ankles may be too weak. I probably can't get over the ball of my foot. Why would I not go back and do some heel raises? Or better yet, maybe the heel raises too much because I'm still rolling out. Why would I not go stick my foot up against a wall and try to hold my heels up against the wall and roll a bay so that I can strengthen the area that I lack? 
that's that is why it's so important to focus on the detail. Plus, it gives kids something to go back to, or athletes just in general, something to go back to when they can't quite figure it out, trying to repeat the same thing over and over again. Because, you know, repeating the same thing over and over and not getting a different result is called insanity. Yeah. Now you're stressed out. Now you're driving yourself insane. And what's the point of doing that? Take a few steps back, take a breather, recover, and bring it back up. So true. I'm like, preach. So good. So many. <laughs> so good. Can I give you a word today, sis? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Do you have a moment for this? <laughs> so what do you think needs to change about gymnastics culture? Because I feel like some gyms totally go into that basics, but then some gyms are just like, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, and we'll fix it up, like clean it up later. There has to be a happy balance. I think a lot of coaches need more patience. I think the internet pushes us to move super fast. I know when I was coaching and not only just going to, you know, developmental camps and stuff like that, and just watching some of these girls at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I'm like, dang, my kids are not doing this. I need to move them faster. I think, and they need to do skills. But I'm like, but why am I going to do that? One, I'm perpetuating fear with some of them because even though physically they're ready to do it, mentally they're not mature enough to handle this. So if I just drill this skill, maybe for the next two years, by the time they're 12 years old, now they're catching releases. I don't even coach my girls anymore. And they're doing an amazing job everywhere else. But the foundation was set literally four or five years before they ever got to this place. So now they're doing they're a little really like, dang, this stuff is coming easier. And they even know, even with me not being around, they're like, sometimes, so, gee, I just got to go back to a drill. My mind, it just does something for me when I'm trying to do the skill over and over again. You're not talking about level 10s. Mm. You know, so I think a lot of gyms just need to be okay with taking their time and not letting everything and everyone around them influence them to get things done. And also parents. We can't let parents define how we train their kids. Yes, they have their kids' best interest at heart, but this is not their profession. They're not professionals in this. We don't go to their job and tell them how to run bank. We don't go to their jobs and tell them how to send in insurance plans. We don't go to their jobs and tell them how to be an attorney or a doctor. So I think it's important that coaches really find themselves in coaching, be confident in that, and take the path that works best for them. There is no rush to doing it wrong. That's another one of my favorites. There is no rush to doing it wrong because when you're rushing and you're doing it wrong over and over again, you're going to find yourself more frustrated. Take your time with it. It doesn't mean halt, halt or pull them back, but that's not something that I do with my kids. I think it's important because kids get bored, right? And you want to keep their interest. You want to make sure they're interested. Even if you're working the foundation work throughout the week and you're barely touching the skills and you're getting to the skills a little bit here the other week, make a Friday. Like for me, Friday was like fun Friday or fear factor Friday. So mm -hmm. the kids knew when they came in on Friday, we were going to condition our lives away, even though we condition all the time. But that was the even harder day because most of the time they weren't coming in on Saturday. But then it was fear factor Friday. So on beam, I would just let them go at it. We would put beam pads on it. And of course, they've done a lot of this stuff on the floor. So then they would go and they would try different skills. Bars. We had been doing the drills all week. Yes, I haven't spotted them through a real Jaeger. I only did some timers and made them do the drills on the floor to flip over to their bellies. And then I was like, all right, put your heel pads on. We're trying today. And they got points based off of facing a fear because some of them were like, I'm not going to try it. You try, Then you get to see who's going to really challenge themselves outside of it. They get a certain number of points for trying something. And then they get like a huge something for doing everything. And it was always some type of reward because nowadays these kids look for incentives. So we found a fun way in doing that just to see what they were doing. It, was, it didn't mean just because somebody did a Jaeger that, that Friday and they were all so close that we were about to do this every single day and get off track of the fact that you're still a level eight. No, you're still level eight. Rest of the week we're going to do this Friday. We'll come back. You'll drill all the skills for your level nine and ten skills. That's what we'll do throughout the week. And then Friday we'll play. We will play. Because they need that. They need a, a happy balance of both. And then as the summer came, I could do a little bit more play and a lot of work. Because I told you, I, I need both. I need both as a coach. That's so true. The play is so important. <laughs> so important for, for kids. And 
if they don't have that, then it's it's a chore. Yeah, it becomes a chore, and then they lose the love and the passion for it, and that's when they burn out. So I think that's some super- gyms don't play enough. Some gyms play just too much. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So so right there, what is something or an action step that coaches can do to help move in that direction of having that happy balance, whether they're on either side of it? Be willing to change. You're not be so stuck and stubborn that way. A lot of a lot of coaches don't want to change. They think they got it. That's it. Their word is fun. It's the end all, be on. But they still have to be a student. You got to become childlike. Sometimes you got to think like the kid. We work with kids. Sometimes you have to think like them in order to train them. And then you use your adult mind skill to make it a a, a cool balance for everybody. Yeah, that's huge. I love that. That's so important. So whether you're on either side of the spectrum, just. That's a huge thing for me too, is just be willing. If you're not willing to learn, to change, to grow, you're just going to be stuck. And there's the insanity. You just keep getting the same results. Result over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Oh. You have to be willing to change. So and the more the kids that you change and evolve, the more they're willing to change and evolve with you. Sometimes you have to allow them to think they have some type of say yeah. in what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, you're ultimately making the decision. So you listen to them, you hear them out. Something may work, something may not. Yeah. At the end of that, you make the ultimate decision on what's best for them. So I think it's important that you listen to them, whether it works or it doesn't. Sometimes yeah. the kids come up with some stuff, you're like, what, what? <laughs> I need to think of that. I like that. I would never forget this one little kid I was working with at a clinic. And she was just playing. And she had no idea what she was doing. She, like, ran up and, like, jumped and rolled back. And I was like, oh, reverse a noti type of situation here. <laughs> and you can actually go and reverse a noti. Somebody could train this for being. It's an interesting way to do this, but... I like what you just did. I kept making it repeated, but that was just something that she was doing just to play around. Yeah. So kids are creative. So I think it's important to give them some type of say in what they're doing, especially once they get to a certain level too, they have an idea what's going on. Yes. They, they know what their bodies are doing, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Some of them, I had this one girl, she always wanted to try to force these aerial pretty skills. And I was just, just like, I love you, baby girl. You're not an aerial gymnast. You're an Afro gymnast. Yeah. Being my coaching partner, Brianna, she was like, she she's gonna drive us to crazy wanna do all these aero skills, but we let her train you. Mm-hmm. Let her she does something in level ten now. But honestly, that's just not her thing. Yeah. So she can do the front aerials and all that kind of stuff. She's great at the side summons the front tuck and hair. She was able to get a little side aerial in. Use her little non-flexibility <laughs> to do something that she wanted to do. But we didn't prevent her or stop her completely just because we didn't like it on her. We gave her the opportunity, but over time, ultimately when you go to college to compete. They're not going to put the side area on you, especially if it's not super solid or super free because every deduction counts at that point, you know? Exactly. And it counts for the team, for sure. Right. And it's okay so, to let them try step outside their comfort yeah. zone of what really works for them every now and then. Right. Right. So with all of that being said, to you personally, and we ask this to everyone who comes on the, on the show, what does it mean to you to train like a gymnast? My own personal self? Yeah. What does it mean to me? Hmm. Great question. Honestly, I just don't know any other way. And I think for me, it shows me every time that when I'm training like gyms, I'm still disciplined, I'm still attention detail-oriented. I know if something's falling short, how to pick it back up. I still have resilience. So for me, it gives me a sense of comfort to train like a gymnast. It gives me a sense of peace because I'm, I feel like I'm still stable in who I am as a person because I still have those same characteristics that I learned all those years of being a competitor and being that athlete to now being this adult individual who's taking every lesson that I learned as an athlete, be it in the gym or be it in the conversations that my coaches were having with us over and over again to me as an adult person trying to bring up another generation. 
So it's a lot of power in training like a gymnast, a lot of it. We are like no other athlete. We are the super athlete. We are. And then we can pretty much do the other sports because we want to do Well, you know, I don't know about the gymnast in the hand, our coordination with the ball. I was going to say the ball sports. <laughs> the ball sports, some of us should really leave it on. But. That's so me. I can. I was. I threw something last week to the left, and it went like behind me. I hit myself with. Something. Oh great! That's talent, and and I've seen your stuff, and you're pretty. You're pretty good. Pretty strong. Walking through the kitchen, right <laughs> way with your feet. Yeah, that's Put the balls down. Put the balls yeah. down, sis. Just stick for the balls area. The pretty stuff, you know. Oh my god, it's so true. You have been a blast to have on. So what I know you've got a lot going on, like Elite Talent County, Drill Skill. What's your vision for your future, and what are things that you offer? How can people get involved with you? Let's start what I'm doing now. So currently I have a virtual gymnastics community on my www.coachgiabra.com. And there you can book virtual, because we're still in quarantine kind of for some, you yeah. can book your virtual choreography for your beamer teams, your floor team, whatever you need. You can do virtual, and if you're comfortable with bringing me out, you can do that. You can book choreography online. I've also developed a class program, basically, because most classes are not back in the gym. So I have anywhere from mommy and me, toddlers and tops. I have beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Now, each one of these groups have their own name. So mommy and me is mommy and me. Toddlers and tots are called tater tots. My, you got, I got my chicken nuggets and my french fries and hot wings. I love those things, by the way. It's, I don't really like tater tots or french fries that much, but hot wings are my favorite. But each, each one of my kids are little food items because everybody who knows me knows I love to eat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a foodie. And so I name my little classes <laughs> after food. So most of the classes are anywhere between $10 to $15. You can also do annual classes, which allow you to have kind of some unlimited choices. They can be like, hey, Coach G, can you put me in a Tuesday class this week? I can't do Thursday. They can kind of move around however they need to. And on that, there is a mobile community where they, I'll send out mass emails to say, hey, this is one on this week. There's a discount this week. I also have classes for teams. That's typically just one day, but I'm noticing that my team girls from all over the world, because I have a, the world, honestly, that have been chiming in. So I've had to separate some of those days and add some more classes for teams. So I have conditioning, which is strictly just gymnastics conditioning geared towards helping gymnastics bodies. I have flexibility class, where it's active flexibility, just things that, Maybe your gym does or doesn't do, or maybe you just need right now because your coach isn't doing as much or they have something else going on. I also have a body shapes class that's typically about creating the line. What does it look like to make a line? Understanding the hollow, understanding the arch, strengthening those different shapes so when you're swinging through or you're standing in a certain position, you know exactly what to do. There's a bar basic class that's strictly floor work. I'm not doing anything that I'm going to mess up what coaches need to do with their kids. It's strictly just the basic, the foundation work that kids can safely do at home. I have a floor basics and I also have beam basics. So floor and beam will have a skills kind of day, just skills, dance, leaps and jumps. And then I have a choreography thing that I work on. So the importance of dance choreography, how to move, just teaching them how to move on the apparatus and stuff like that. And for dance, I typically have them actually doing a dance. I also offer dance fitness classes. So that's a mix of conditioning and dancing. That seems to be like the thing that everybody loves. So I pick a song from the 90s, from now from the 80s and I and I love I'm a choreography down to the socks I was a dancer first and I love to perform so we'll do that and we mix it with fitness so they're getting strong while they're working out that's what I'm doing currently right now during the quarantine I'm getting ready to pick up my clinics and people can also book me on there I have half day clinics I have full day clinics so whatever really they need 
and the drill the skill community will come now that we're back out of quarantine. I, I wanted to redo everything and give them just, I think realistic drills. I think a lot of people do a lot of drills and I know they're like, oh, you don't always have to drill the skill, but on the side, I, I want to give drills that are realistic to the skill that you're going to be able to do that can be for all levels, not just for one particular level. So once the drill, the skill academy opens up, there'll be packages for people to buy like compulsories and it'll break down basically every skill for each level and then the drills in order to get the skills how to put those skills into the drill, like that kind of stuff. But we had to wait for all this to die out because the footage that I had was just old footage and I didn't want to use it. I wanted to make it a little bit more current to what was going to happen with the new routines. And I also do some optional things like that as well. Trying to work on an app, like a gymnastics for dummy app. So coaches, when they're in the gym and they're like, crap, I don't know what I want to do. Here, click level four. I need kicks. I need back walkovers on beam. Here it is. One, two, three. I want to do these today and keep it moving. That one's going to take a little bit longer, but that's it. And I'm going back to school because I would absolutely, and I'm putting this out in the atmosphere, and I don't normally share certain things like this, but I'm going to share this. You are getting an exclusive right here. Love it. But I'm going back to school because I would love if Brown Girls Do Gymnastics gets this big for the HBCUs to get gymnastics, I would love to be one of the first coaches. Mm. I would love to coach college gymnastics. That would be the ultimate goal at this point. I used to want to own a gym, and it's not yeah. to say that if it happened for me, I wouldn't. It right. just seems like the way that God has been aligning my life, he's like, that's cool and everything, maybe when you're like 60. But he says, I have so much more in store for you internationally and on this different level. So if, if I could say within the next four or five years, that would just be a dream. Yeah. I yeah. even have my team together. <laughs> I was going to say, where, where do you want to do it? Like, where would you? Well, I mean, any HBCU, I love historical back colleges and university, but I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. We have several schools here. We got the whole AU Center and stuff. So Spelman could be the first one or Clark could be the first one. You know what I mean? Like wherever. I mean, I don't, I don't mind moving. So I like to move around. My dog would just have to come along and we will live it up. But I would love, love, love to be a coach for a college team. You know, if another school wanted to pick me up just to get me started and stuff like that, my goal would be to be a head coach at an HBCU. I would love that. Uh, I think that'd be awesome. Because I think it gives opportunities for African-American gymnasts to have a place where they feel safe in yeah. continuing their gymnastics and education and for other girls to bring diversity into some HBCUs so they can see a different culture. Because I know teammates that are like, I would love to see what your high school just seems so fun. All the bands and the dancing and just, you know, bring the cultures together, you know? I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Well, you're putting it out there. You're going to manifest it's, Let's manifest it. Let's do I'm it. I'm going to hear it and it's going to happen. Love it. If somebody wants to find you on Instagram or on social media and follow along or get in touch to hire you to coach, you know, you know, you never know. How can they get away? Okay. So on Facebook, you can follow me on just Coach D, simple enough, D E E. And then on Instagram, it's Coach Diavra. So that's C O A C H D E A, V as in Victory, E R A. Yes, Victory. And you can also follow my YouTube channel where you pretty much get a little bit more full videos. And you just type my name, Diabra Todd. I got to get better with my YouTube. YouTube stresses me out, though. With all the different rules and everything, I'm like, oh. Same. But I, I want to I get better on YouTube. But I know my attention span is really short, so Instagram and Facebook, they do the job for me. But yeah. And also people that want a little longer video, that's what my Drill the Skill community is going to be for. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I've enjoyed this so much. I got a full page in here. You see this? Oh, yeah! <laughs> oh, that's so interesting! Yay! So good. You are very interesting. You have so many nuggets. You have so many quotable things. 
I'm so excited. I hope you've loved this episode. If you are listening to it, I hope you eat up her content, join her communities. And the Train Like a Gymnast community and the Auburn's community is, is so similar, even though she works a lot with current gymnasts, right? We all have had shared experiences and we've gone mm-hmm. through the same things. And it's not like, it's not like you're ever too old to do gymnastics. You can always, you have a body, you can still do gymnastics, you can still drill skills. And if anything, you should be drilling your skills more now so because you're not competing and there's not the pressure to like, I have to get this. So now you can do I have to do this right now. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I actually don't discriminate. I also work with dancers and cheerleaders. Oh, perfect. This quarantine allowed me to work with ice skaters. So yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We're fun. all alike. We all understand yes. the striving for perfection thing. So <laughs> know that you're not alone and we're all in this together. And we'll start to do the high school musical dance <laughs> with that. Mm-mm-mm. And I like to tell everybody, this is very important to me, that you are always kind to yourself. Speak nicely to yourself. If you can't be kind to yourself, it's going to be hard for you to be good to anybody else. Be open-minded to those that you don't know. Find something interesting about each person and take that and run with it, okay? You are amazing. You are beautiful. And what I love for everybody to do is give themselves a round of applause because someday you may not get that from somebody and you have to be able to do that for yourself. And I also want you to pat yourself on the back and say, good job, you got through it, you made it, whatever you went through today, gonna go through tomorrow and the next year, just know that you did a good job whether you woke up and did the bare minimum, you did more than enough. And then I love everybody to reach out, down, up, and wrap themselves all around, shake those shoulders out and, and you scream at the top of your lungs, I love myself. Because in order to love others, you have to first love you, okay? Self-love is going to be the most important love. That does not mean you're conceited. That doesn't mean you don't care about anybody else. But how can you love others when you can't love the person that you live inside of every day? So with that, you guys be blessed, be amazing, and be intentional. Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or love Tenno in general, we want to hear from you. And we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at trainlikeagymnast.com. That's team at trainlikeagymnast.com to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session.